Good morning, people of Lake Avenue Church and anybody else who may be worshiping together with us through streaming. Uh, my name is Greg Waybright. I'm not the one that you might have expected to be preaching today. It's my unexpected privilege and honor to be able to open up God's word to you today. Pastor Jeff, thank you for this great honor you've given me. I feel so, so blessed by it. And so when you heard Pastor Chuck say by video that we're going to be talking about generosity, you're going to have to remember that uh, because that's going to be two weeks from now. Today we're going to be talking about uh, something else. Um, but just before I open God's word to you, I want to take just a few moments to remember and to pay tribute to uh, Congressman John Lewis, who passed away this uh, past Friday. Uh, I know most people think of him as being the representative from, I think it was the 5th District uh, of Georgia. And yet, when I think about him, I think about a preacher. Yes, that's what he was, a seminary-trained preacher that God has used so powerfully over these years. Uh, I, I remember when he was the youngest one, together with uh, Dr. Martin Luther King, who was able to witness when President Johnson signed the Civil Rights Act that has made such a difference. I remember that uh, just a year later, he was the leader together with a man named uh, Hosea Williams to go across the famous Pettus Bridge there in Selma, Alabama, uh, to try to uh, speak up for and the liberation of and the freedom of so many people whose lives didn't seem to matter, especially the black lives that didn't seem to matter. He was the first one to be beaten when he went across that bridge. And it happened to him over and over again uh, throughout his career and life. Um, I got to hear him, believe it or not, in 1969, when I first moved to uh, Chicago, Illinois. He was there and, in a rally and was speaking. It was a year after Martin Luther King had died. And I remember he told why that he, as a preacher, was actually involved in this kind of uh, work and he said something that really fits the message I want to bring to you today. It's, it's the same kind of message, those of you who are from Lake, that you hear our missionaries, Randy and Edie Nelson, speak so often when they say, why do you do these things that you do? Uh, John Lewis said it this way. When you see something that is not right, not fair, not just, you have to speak up. You have to say something then do something. Now that, that phrase that he said so often, and I think in these coming days you'll hear him repeat that repeated in the tapes of him, it brings us spot on to the message that God put on my heart for today. Because today we're really only going to focus on a half a verse. Uh, those of you who remember when I was your senior pastor, I didn't do that very often, did I? It's Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21a. Just a half a verse here. And this is what God says. The tongue has the power of life and death. The tongue has the power of life and death. That's what God says. Now it's quite a statement, isn't it? But I'm telling you, for those of us who are Christians, it's not surprising. And I'll tell you why. When, when we open our Bibles at, at the very beginning we find out that God uses words. This is how he brings everything into being. He speaks, let there be light. And there's power, there was light. When you get to day six, he speaks life into being. 
including human life in his words was the power of giving life and wonderfully amazingly frightfully when he creates human beings he makes people in his own image and he gives us an incredible gift he gives us this gift of being able to speak words and what a powerful gift that is it's a stewardship to us well, as you heard earlier in this service, we're in a series here in, uh, at Lake Avenue Church on truth and wisdom. We're going back and forth between the parables where Jesus would teach us how God would have us to live. In the book of Proverbs, in the Older Testament, where we read that as well. In the book of Proverbs, it really specifically tells us it was written so that you and I can be wise. Here's the way I want you to understand it. God, the creator, spoke us into being. And there is a way that we who are made in his image, are supposed to live. That's called wisdom. It's just the practical way that we live out that being that we have as those created in the image of God, image bearers of God. When you read through the book of Proverbs, one of the things you're going to say is that when God tells us how he wants us to live in ways that represent him well, perhaps more often than anything else, He speaks about the way we use words. In over 100 verses, he talks about our tongues, about our speech, and about our words. And I'll tell you, all of that, I think, can be boiled down into this half verse that I want us to focus on today. That the power of life and death has been placed in our tongue. Now, the question is, what does that mean? Does it just talk about us being able to have the power of bringing physical life and physical death into being? I don't think that's all that he's talking about, but that, that I think is at least a part of it. So I've been thinking about that. So in a marriage, usually it's the young couple that when they have these moments of speaking love to one another and talking about shared hopes with one another will sometimes say something like this, uh, Isn't it about time for us to start a family? Now, now just the words don't bring about that family. There are other things those words lead to that lead to a family. And Solomon writes about that elsewhere in a whole book, The Song of Solomon. I'll ask Pastor Jeff to do a series uh, on that. (laughs) But it all starts with words. It all starts with words. There is that sense in which physical life has the seeds of it there already in the words that we speak Uh, on the other side. I think we're hearing more and more stories these days about how nasty and negative words often that are texted to people or perhaps even more often uh, are written on social media have resulted in the, the one who's the object of those nasty words becoming so discouraged and so depressed that that person takes his or her own life. I just thought of one. I've heard about so many of these stories, but I'm thinking of the one two or three years ago, Molly Russell. Do you remember her? She was in the United Kingdom, who because of words that were posted on Instagram, eventually became so discouraged, depleted, that she took her own life. I only mentioned that because that led to Instagram itself uh, establishing this policy. Listen to it. Instagram does not allow content that promotes or glorifies self-harm or suicide and will remove content of this kind. See, even Instagram began to see what the Bible says. 
in words, in our tongue, there is the power of life. But yeah, there's also the power of death. But again, I I think it's not just physical life and death that the Bible is talking about. I, I think he's talking about our ability to do harm or to lift up and bring blessing in a much more pervasive way. You know this. I mean, words affect our emotions, right? Our, our mental state, even our uh, spiritual lives. You know, that in these days of COVID-19, sometimes when we feel so discouraged, we can't take it anymore. Words from somebody who loves us can, can lift us up and carry us through those really turbulent and difficult times. But on the other side, words can lead us down that rat hole of self-doubt and depression. So on one side, uh, words can connect our hearts and our lives and build our communities and our marriages and our our families and even in our church. But on the other side, they can absolutely destroy relationships and whole churches too. I'm, I'm sure most of you know that old kindergarten chant, at least well, years ago, people said kindergartners talked about sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Now, I don't know how many kindergartners are listening to my words right now. I hope there are some. So those of you who are four or five, I know you usually speak the truth. But if you ever learn that old chant, I think you should put that away. Because I am telling you, words can really hurt. Solomon talks about that in Proverbs 12, 18. The words of the reckless, he said, pierce like swords. So maybe that chance would be something like this. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can destroy my entire life. My friends and my family and my church. So as I was getting this message ready for you, just yesterday I was thinking about this. I took time to think back to those times when I became particularly discouraged or depressed. And that doesn't happen to me too often, but it has come. And each time words were involved in that, when when unkind words were spoken or or written to me, uh, when, when things that I thought were unfair or unjust were said, when things that I thought were untrue were said, it was so, so damaging. And of course, for me, as a preacher, I use words so often that I am sure that I, as a fallen human being, have sometimes used words that have done damage, and maybe to you, and if that has happened, I just say, I am so, so sorry. I think you know that what I'm talking about here is true, don't you? The words have enormous power they're spoken they just eat away inside of us so i'll kind of you know show you my age here do you remember the old seinfeld show i I think it was back in the 90s when it was done there was one episode there in which one of the main characters uh, elaine was going to be going out on a, a, a blind date and as she was there with this, this fellow on this blind date, this young woman comes up and was so angry, she dumps hot coffee on him. And Elaine wonders, why on earth did she do that? <laughs> and she finds out that the reason why she did it was that this guy was, as she called it, a bad breaker-upper. A bad breaker-upper. What he would break up, he would say some words 
to that person who had broken up with him that just ate in that person's heart and life until they were just, their whole life was de devastated by it. So you know what's going to happen here. Eventually, uh, Elaine breaks up with him. And he says to her, oh, it's no big deal. I couldn't take it anymore. You have that big head. You have that big head. And she said, ha, big head. Is that the best you've got? <laughs> Is that the best you? Those words are, aren't going to bother me. But they did. So as she's going home, she gets into a New York taxi and is sitting in the back seat of that taxi. And, and the taxi driver there says, uh, lady, I can't see through my rearview mirror. I can see through your head. You've got to move over. No, that's not far enough. You've got to move over more. No, not far enough. You've got to move over more. And then as she got out of the taxi, she walked across uh, uh, the park and this bird flew into her head. There was an older African-American man who looked at that and was astounded. He said, that bird flew right into your head. It looked like it couldn't avoid it. Finally, Elaine goes into the, the coffee shop where she would meet her friends, uh, Jerry and, uh, and George. And she was so distressed by all of this. They said, what's wrong? She said, a bird flew into my head. What head? Jerry said. My giant freak head, Elaine says. The one that sits atop my proportionately puny body. And she just sits down, mortified. Nothing when you watch that show for the first time. It seemed on the surface to be so silly, so trivial. But I, I hope you see, it gets directly at what the Bible says about words. Solomon said it in the verse that we looked at earlier, but he underscored it in Proverbs 15:4. He said, A tongue that calms and nourishes is like a tree of life. Yes, I mean, words can build up our emotional makeup and all we are. But he immediately adds, that same word can crush a spirit. And now I'm just here to tell you that what words can do to us individually, they can also do to a community. They can do to our relationships. Uh, you know that in a church, that words can do so much. We can teach with our words about God in such ways that all of us together learn more and have what we here at Lake called a shared faith that builds us in a community with God at the very center. You know that words can be used that actually counsel a per person. They can be used to pray for a person, to lift them up. They can be used to sometimes correct a person. There are so many ways that words can help us build community. So power of life is in our words for our community, for our church, for our families. But I'll tell you, they can destroy what God has brought together too. I think that one of the most powerful things about words is that they continue to just spread and live on. I mean, other things sort of go away, but words just live inside of us. They spread like a fire. The book of James takes this on. James didn't mince words about this. So in James chapter 3, verse 6, listen, listen to what he said. The tongue is a fire. The tongue is a world of evil among the parts of the body. 
The tongue corrupts the entire body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Man, I, don't, I think I need to preach more like that. And, and I think, I'll get back to this later, that the power of words to spread and destroy has been magnified in our day through the social media. Do you agree? And let's face it, church people, it's not just out there in the world that community is, and relationships are destroyed by words. Uh, Jesus said that the way that people are even going to know that we are his followers is when we love one another across all of the divides. He said in John 17 that the way that the world will know that the Father sent Jesus and that Jesus is who he says he is is by the unity of his people. But I am telling you, when I have seen relationships and churches corroding, breaking, dividing, it almost always happens through the power of words. Words that are spread around by gossip, often when the other person isn't there. Harsh words spoken in a business meeting. Hate-filled words, sometimes passed on through anonymous notes and anonymous emails that are sent. And more and more words that are posted on social media that destroy. Listen to what Proverbs 16, 28 says. Twisted persons use words to stir up conflict. Twisted persons stir up conflict. Anyone who talks like this about others separates close friends. Now, what does this have to say to us? How might this be applied? How does this actually speak into the life of us as a community here at Lake and others who are listening. You know what I I did? I I went into the New Testament because the Apostle Paul often quotes the book of Proverbs and he applies them to a specific church situation. And the place where he does this most often is in the book of of, of Ephesians. Now, the church in, in Ephesus was a lot like Lake Avenue Church right here in the LA area. Ephesus was a a huge city. It was a very multicultural, multinational city. People moved to Ephesus for business from all around the world. And the church in Ephesus was a whole lot like Lake Avenue Church. God was at work there. People were coming to faith in Jesus there. All sorts of different kinds of people were coming to faith in Jesus in Ephesus. But they were very different kinds of people. Many of them had Jewish heritages and and backgrounds. But other than non-Jewish peoples had, had come from all over the world. And it was, like in our own church, just a beautiful place to be. But they found it hard to get along with one another. They kept fighting with one another. He kept taking this on because Paul knew what Jesus had said. That the way that the world is going to know that we are really Christians is through our love across all of those differences and across all of those divides. And and the way that people would know that the Father sent the Son is through our unity. And he knew 
that the kingdoms of this world would hit at the work of God in a Christian church by hitting at our love for one another and our unity. And he also knew that one of the main ways that we divide is through our use of words. So you find the Apostle Paul in chapter 4 of of Ephesians when he goes on to tell him now this is how you're to live in the light of what God has done for you you find him begging I mean really begging people to make sure that they live out the unity that Christ has brought about through his death and through the gift of the spirit I I don't think I can preach it as well as I think I can almost hear the apostle Paul pounding on the pulpit shouting out listen to what he says Chapter 4 of Ephesians. I beg you, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. How? Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient. Bear with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace for... There is one body, there is one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. We have one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and especially this, one God and Father of us all. The one who is over all, and through all, and in us all. Ah, surely they heard, right? That apparently they kept on arguing and battling and tearing one another down. And this led Paul, as he gets on in chapter 4, the same chapter, to really take on the matter very, very, very directly. He said these kinds of use of words to divide ourselves, this is not the way Christ lived. When you come to Jesus Christ, our lives all have to change. And, and the phrase that he used for that is, you have not learned Christ in the way that you're living it doesn't reflect the spirit of Jesus it doesn't reflect the way of Jesus and if you're going to become like Jesus what you're doing shows that you haven't yet learned Christ that's the word that he uses learning Christ for living in a way that brings honor to Jesus and he spells out what he's talking about so I've asked Kenzo or Stephanie who are kind of putting some of the slides down here for you to help me out with this so in verse 20 he says learn Christ And that's what I want to say to you. Learn to become more and more like Jesus. How? And he tells us several ways, usually about using our words. Verse 25, learn Christ. That means put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. (laughs) In a world in which the political conversation is filled with so much deceit and people think that seems to be fine twisting what your opponent has said we who become members of God's unexpected and eternal family yes we're going to be in this family of God for the rest of our eternities we are told that we are to speak truthfully now a little bit later in the same chapter you'll say when you speak truth you have to do it with love with love to build others up That will be a difference in this world, won't it? What else does he say? Verse 26. Learn Christ. Do not sin when you are angry. Mm, So we're going to get angry. But we have to 
be careful, especially in the way we use our words. And in that verse, I'm quite sure that Paul is picking up on Proverbs 15.1. Listen to Proverbs 15.1. So a gentle answer will turn anger away. By gentle, he's not talking about just, he's talking about strong words that are controlled and intended to further the ways of God. A gentle answer will turn anger away, but mean words stir up anger. And that uh, phrase, the word gentle, is put in contrast to mean, harsh, angry words. He says, gentle words, you may not believe it, but gentle words, well-directed, spoken in love, they can be powerful, they're not weak. So gentle words include, include people. Harsh, mean words exclude people. Gentle words explain and bring understanding. Mean words just provoke, bring division. Gentle words in our families and marriages and, and church will help a person to feel safe there. Mean, harsh words threaten people and make them feel that they are hated because in the tongue there is the power of life and the power of death. Oh, what else does he say? Look down at verse 30. Learn Christ. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs I'll tell you I want you to listen if you haven't been listening I want you to listen especially carefully here because we are entering into a major political campaign season aren't we and you know what the order of the day is going to be using your words to tear down that other person even if the words aren't true or twisted or taken out of context I want you to see that first of all Paul in this verse verse 30 of Ephesians 4 underscores the idea that there's the power of life in our tongues he said your words can actually build up other people and meet their needs haven't you found that to be the true truth that sometimes when you're so down and someone comes and says I, I really care about you uh, I'm praying for you it just lifts you up and, and carries you through those tough times it's the power of life giving that our words possess but and the phrase that he uses for the way that our words can cause harm is don't let unwholesome talk even come out of your mouth now, that word for unwholesome, we often think, oh, that means uh, uh, crude words, uh, swear words, and surely he does mean that. But that word has much bigger, unwholesome, for Paul, he was writing in Greek, you know, has a much different, bigger meaning than that. It was often used for food that you eat that was poisoned. You know, you get, you get food poisoning. <laughs> it comes in and just eats away at you from the inside out. It was sometimes used for a health difficulty when something like cancer is rooted within your body and it just corrodes away and eats at you. That, that's what it's what starts inside and it moves to the outside. The words that he's talking about are words that you speak that go inside a person and then often have an impact of others who hear those words and cause that one about whom you speak them to be disrespected, dishonored. I'm telling you, what he's saying is when you and I claim be followers of Jesus we make a commitment that will be we will use our words 
only in ways that will build up the other individual. That doesn't mean we don't use them to correct. That's a part of those gentle words. That doesn't mean that sometimes we don't use our words, words to call people to repentance and to a new way of life. That's a part of it too. But never do we use words that will only tear down. Which brings me to one of the reasons why I was so glad Pastor Jeff asked me to preach today. I've been traveling a lot around our country, yes, even in the coronavirus era. And as I've been meeting almost always with church people, I have heard church people saying over and over again something like this. Yeah, these things about words and how a Christian should use them, that's true, of course. But that doesn't count in a political campaign. Words spoken in a political campaign, they have said to me, everybody knows that you're going to say things that aren't true and that aren't going to happen. And, and they know that they're different from other words. So it, it's okay in this world that you disregard things like the book of Ephesians says, because it, it doesn't really matter. The words in, in a, a political campaign are different from other kinds of words. All right, brothers and sisters, what should I say about that? Have you ever heard anything more unbiblical than that? Have you ever heard anything that is less Jesus-like than that? That there are certain words that don't matter. He says here, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Does that exclude words that are spoken in a political campaign? No, I'll tell you, it isn't. Uh, Paul takes that on as he brings this section about learning Christ to an end. He talks about, first of all, the death that is in the tongue that we have to get rid of. Learn Christ, he says, in verse 31. And that means get rid of all bitterness and rage, all slander along with every form of malice. What words that you speak or in that word all. What, what words that you speak are in that word every? I think we have to learn to beware. In the texts that we send, the words that we speak, and I think particularly in the posts that we put on social media. They will either destroy what God has brought together through the blood of Christ and the gift of his spirit, or they will further it and bring blessing to our world. Paul concludes it in verse 32, in which he tells us how our words can bring life to people. I love it. He says, so here's how, what I want you to do. Be kind and compassionate to others. Forgiving others, as in Christ, God has forgiven you. The power of life and death is in your tongue. What what do I want you to do in light of this message? I want you to remember first that the power of life is in your tongue. I'll tell you, uh, your words can help a person learn that they really matter. Even if they don't seem to matter in society as a whole, we can turn and say, uh, well, in our day, black lives matter, no matter what anybody else says or does. Our words tell people that they matter and they can actually help a person as they live on inside of them believe that they really matter. So what I want you to do right now is to try to think of a person 
that you might use your words to actually bring life to that other person. It might be somebody that you're really in a battle with. It might be somebody that you're angry with right now. It might be a member of your family. You might be in a political battle of some place or some sort with them. I want you to think of a person that you might actually take this word of God seriously and know, oh, I have the opportunity to have my words change my world. Um, Think about that and then plan what words you want to speak or to text or to write and do it, do it today. All right, I'm a pastor, so sometimes you think that pastors don't need that kind of life-giving word spoken. I would like you to think about one of your pastors and, and, and send not, not, a, not a mean email or an anonymous note or something like that. Send a word of encouragement. Let, let your pastor uh, know that something that she or he has said or done actually has brought life to you or to your family because our words, whether it's for a pastor or anybody else, will help people know that they are known, that they are respected, that they are loved. See, for us as a Christian, here in the U.S., we talk about the freedom of speech, and we value that. But we know that speech isn't just a freedom or a right. It is a stewardship. It is a gift given to us by our God who speaks. He's given us the ability actually to change our world and our community through our words. So I'm going to show you a prayer right now. It's a big prayer in my own life because as I said, I use so many words. It's found in Psalm 141.3. It is Lord today. Set a watch over my lips. I think I put the version over my tongue. I think it really says set a guard over this mouth of mine. That's become more and more a regular part of my prayer life. I prayed it this morning, knowing that I would be speaking to you. See, when you really get angry or when you really get frustrated, it's so easy for those words to just pop out of your lips or, or through your texting or through what you post, send you hit. And people are either made to live or to die. Parents, you have no idea about how your words go deep into the hearts and lives of your children. And kids, I don't care how old you are, three, four, or five, you need to know. You can understand this, that God has given you power through your speaking And your words can make such a positive, huge difference in your parents' lives and in your siblings' lives because you, no matter how young or old you are, you have the power of life or death that God has placed in your tongue. Now, I've got to give you a warning because this could almost be a self-help sermon. Oh, good, I'm going to work on this on my own. I'll tell you, you'll fail. You will fail. The Bible tells us that we're not able to control our tongue on our own. And I think especially for those of us who perhaps developed a way of life where we just speak sarcasm and negative things, that, that changing that is not within our control and our power. Listen to what James says about this in James 3, 7, and 8. People have tamed all kinds of wild animals and reptiles and sea creatures, and they still tame them. But no one can tame the tongue. Well, that sounds hopeless. May I I speak a life-giving word to you right now? 
What you and I cannot do, God can. And he will. He has the power to change your hearts toward people and your words. I've just been praying that my own words today would give you life and hope in all of this. So I tell you, whatever has been in your past or in your life with regard to this message, God knows and he loves you and he has not given up on you. God loves you. And in Jesus Christ, there is forgiveness for whatever kind of, using Paul's language, unwholesome words have ever come out of your life in your past. And I'm telling you, not only when you become a Christian do you have forgiveness for the past, for right now you have the spirit of the living God dwelling within you. Through the presence and power of the spirit of God, you can change Yeah, you can grow from a person who uses your words normally to kill into a person like Jesus. One who uses your words to help people really to flourish and to live. Here's what I want us all to do at the end. I want us to use our words to pray. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. If you can pray what I'm going to ask you to pray, I pray that you will. Try to go slowly so that you can do it. Pray something like this. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Forgive me for the way I have used my words. Forgive me for the way I have used my words. Through the power of your spirit who lives in me. Change my mouth. Lord, give me wisdom and strength to use words that when people hear them, they will know that I am a genuine Christian, that I may live to your glory. Amen. I've been thinking that if a lot of us will pray that prayer and know that mouth-transforming power of God can change us, it's going to change everything about us. It'll change our church. God's gift of words that you and I have has the power to change our world. Because God says, the tongue has the power of life and of death. May we all use our words to bring life. And it will be to the joy of others and to the glory of God. Amen. Oh, Father, take these words that I've spoken. I pray they've been faithful to your word. Empower them through your spirit in each one of our lives that we can become more and more like Christ. Make a difference in our world. This we pray in his name. Amen.